Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski. You're listening to us on iHeartRadio and Radio Regent. I'm here with my favorite critic and my co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Uh, not too bad. Good. We have a lot of things to talk about. It's uh, It may be winter outside still, but uh, there's a, a lot going on inside some special places and there are festivals starting and there's a lot of activity. So there's a lot of reasons when you finish shoveling to then go somewhere and celebrate the fact that you have shoveled and this snow event is over. So uh, let's say we're going to talk about... One retrospective and one festival. There you go. And a picture palace. Ah, yes. I want to start with the picture palace. Let's let's talk about this picture palace. uh, TIFF is putting on a new exhibition, and it's curated by the the TIFF artistic director and co-head Cameron Bailey. And this is about to open this weekend, March the 2nd. Yes, it's March in a couple of days, tomorrow, but March the 2nd until July the 28th. So there's lots of opportunities to see it and to see it again. The reason I'm excited is because I got a chance to go to the preview. I have a, you know, a short interview with with Cameron Bailey, and we're going to hear that in a second. But I'm just going to tell you uh, why I think it's exciting. It's it's an exhibition that unpacks all that behind the scenes fundamentals of movie making, and it brings it into the present so that we have this hands on experience. And, um, you know, as Cameron will explain in, in just a second, it's past and present, uh, the old-fashioned. It harkens back to the old-fashioned, you know, movie palaces, like the great giant cinemas that people used to go to that were, were like palaces. Um, and it it, uh, it brings that world into the, into the future and melds it with sort of the whole Instagram phenomenon. It's, it's really quite... I'll tell you more about the details after we hear from Cameron. So this is Cameron Bailey, who is the curator and artistic director and co-head of TIFF. You curated this uh, this wonderful exhibition, Picture Palace. There's a lot of reference between past and present. So let's start with that and, and the impetus behind sure. making this. I wanted to go back to what we love about the movies. You know, the, And it's the emotion of it. I think for most people, we fall in love with movies through our feelings about the movies that we watch. And the places where we watch them, the people we watch them with, it's a whole experience. And it goes back over 100 years. And in the old days, our parents or grandparents would have gone to picture palaces that were really magical and that would just elevate your spirit, you know, because they were beautiful buildings. There'd be a thousand people watching the same movie together and crying and laughing and sharing emotional experiences together. So that was part of the foundation of it. But I also thought... What's happening now in terms of Instagram and YouTube videos and all kinds of social media making and sharing of images is not so different from what the early days was. And it's just it's kind of a more fractured landscape, but there's still something about the emotive power of pictures that I wanted to, to play in. And that's really where Tiff Picture Palace came from. It was the idea of bringing together that centuries-old history of how 
that the pictures were made, and they used to be called the pictures, and how we're living now. So this is uh, an environment where you can revisit that history, you can learn about the art and the craft of movies, and you can also bring your phone and Instagram it all if you want to. <laughs> okay, exactly. <laughs> I find it interesting, the timing. I know you probably didn't plan it this way, but the time, I think the timing is great because we've just been through this award season, and especially during the Oscars, everybody's voting for categories because they go to these parties, mm -hmm. they play bad so people are are voting for you know best sound design and they don't understand yes what my husband for is, example yes. I, you know, I had to explain to him why i was upset with the winner mm. of best sound mixing and what i thought was better in another film and, mm -hmm. and what i don't think he's atypical yeah it's funny you know because those things the craft of the movies it's more visible than ever. You know, Marvel has trained us to watch all of the credits, for instance, because we're waiting for that post-credit sequence. And people understand that these that there are people who do all of these things, sound mixing and ADR and Foley and that, but they don't necessarily know what it is. And Picture Palace gives you that opportunity. You get to do Foley here. You get to do ADR. You get to see how how uh, sound mixing works because you can you can uh, you know do the different levels of That was scene. my favorite, yeah. Was it? Okay. So you're watching the image and you've got, I think, six different um, channels that you can mix yourself and just see how, you know, raising one level and lowering another changes what the sound looks and feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so your target audience is... Um Everybody. It's everybody. You know, we DigiPlay Spaces is what we've been doing for several years, going back to 2012, and that was aimed largely at an audience of kids, kids and families. It was super fun. I brought my son, and he absolutely loved it. This is really aimed at everybody who's got an interest in film or just likes to play. You know, it's an interactive show. Um, it it really, I think, sort of amplifies any interest you already have in cinema, but you don't have to come in with a knowledge of movies. It's really just an opportunity to learn more, to play in it and to do something where you get to participate. Excellent. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay, so that was TIFF Artistic Director and co-head Cameron Bailey, uh, who is the curator of TIFF Picture Palace and Exhibition, opening up this weekend, March the 2nd, and going until July the 8th. And, you know, as we were, as you 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 heard in in the way that Cameron and I were talking, um, he very much wants to reveal the magic behind the magic of the cinema and the way that we, the, the participants in the exhibition get to do this is to interact with the different elements. So it's not bringing, not just only bringing to the foreground um, these elements and you can see through playing how different things are affected, how the image is affected through different sounds or sound effects in which we get to actually make the sound effects. So you're, so you're <laughs> in many ways through through the play and stuff, you're actually doing a lot of learning. Absolutely. Because it sounds like, especially when you guys were talking about um, the sound and, and sound mixing and stuff, it's like that's a great way to, to teach people, just have them be part of it, have them do the interactive. So from the... The stuff that you got to experience, you said you, you were at the, the preview. What, what were some of the things that you that really stood out for you? Well, there is one, one part where you get to uh, sit, you know, as a camera person, and you get to sit and, and someone moves you and you focus on your, your, you know, you get to handle the camera and, you know, move in a kind of that dolly shot. You get to oh, experience wow. mm -hmm. tracking shot. It's a tracking shot, yeah. right? And you get to uh, make your own narration. Uh, my favorite was the sound mixing, 
because there's an image, there's a computer, we've got six sliders, and there's different, you've got the main sound, and then there's different soundtracks and sound effects that you can add, and you can mix the levels in different ways. So, I mean, I could have stood there for hours playing with that. And uh, there, there is a, a really fun one, which I didn't have the nerve to do, in which you can learn a Bollywood dance sequence because dance and movement mm-hmm. is also, uh, you get to, to um, so you get taught, like this video will teach you, and then you get to perform it and have yourself filmed doing a Bollywood dance. Oh, wow. Hopefully, like, bring your yeah. friends because this is the way. And Foley is basically adding sound effects. So there is a station where you go and there's a film and it requires us to create the sound effects. And it's a lot a lot of fun, but it, it's more fun if you have others with mm-hmm. you so that you're like a team create, doing this. And it's like this little performance in a moment. And... Um, so you're trying to keep up, not, not keep up with the film, but you're trying to, you know, do justice to the film. But then, yeah, I think if there was like a lot of people and we're having a lot more fun with it, you could just like go have a field day. Yeah, it sounds like, like a good play. Friday night out or even like a Saturday afternoon when you're just hanging out with people. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot of fun and you come out of there with a better understanding and it does feel magical. It's like, I just did that. That mm. feels fantastic. So, okay, so that's Picture Palace at TIFF. And go to TIFF.net for all the information. So now let's go to an event that Goethe is putting on at TIFF, as it happens. Goethe Films, Mm -hmm. they have these series, these regular series where they present films. Uh, Goethe Goethe Institute is... um, is presenting German films. So the the German connection with this is that they are presenting the work this one filmmaker has done with a production house called One Fine Day Films. Yes, yeah, Tom. Well, I guess it's he's Tom Teeker, who a lot of people would know from Run Lola Run, and um, I think it was was it Haven or mm-hmm. Heaven that he, he did a few years ago. Uh, he and I'm forgetting his the partner that he teamed up with, but they created this One Fine Day. Um, production company that was designed to, I guess, bring their expertise to African filmmakers up and coming. And, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's almost filmmakers. like a, I want to say like a, a Sundance Now type of, or even TIFF has it where they have like those little um, filmmaker programs and it's this one specifically for African filmmakers and they they produced, the, well, we in this series, I think it's six films that they're There's showing. six films, but, yeah. And the name of the series is One Fine Day Africa Now. Yeah, so we get to see these these six films, and uh, they, it's from March the fifth until March the twelfth. There's three dates, three different dates, a couple of films on each day. But yeah, so that's that's six. Um, and so Courtney and I, I got to see some of these films. They're really engaging. Yeah, they were they were the ones that I saw. I I, I quite enjoyed. Yeah, um, one of my favorites was Kati Kati, which actually some of you will remember because it won the Fripreshi Award. At TIFF, and that, for people who don't know, is the one where, you know, there's a, a, a jury of critics worldwide that come to a festival, and then they get to decide what they want to give an award to. And Kati Kati was one um, one that they gave to that year. It's a film from 2016, Kenya-German 
co-production. Co yeah. Um, so it's about the, this woman, Kaleche. She wakes up in the middle of the wilderness and she has this amnesia kind of experience. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know any. She, she ends up seeing these people. She goes up to them. Where am I? She doesn't know them. Um, but then this camaraderie starts to happen. They're all because they're all together and they're all stuck there. They don't. She doesn't quite know why. And but, but they're the, the group is is uh, led by a man named Toma. And so there's, you know, different interactions and, and it's, you know, seems quite pleasant at times, except for the fact that they can't get out. So there's this mystery. Um, I what I loved about this film that it just sucked us in, sucked me in, in instantly. And it was just toying with me because I was just as disoriented as the protagonist and just as anxious to... You know, to find my bearings, to, for her to find her bearings. But the film has this deliberate kind of pace where, you know, we're feeling this kind of like, like urge, you know, like, come on already. But it won't. It won't. And that's the thing that is so fabulous. And it keeps you in your seat. It's like, it just had me on the edge of my seat. Um, plus, there's these little hints about well, what is this place, and you know what comes from this place? So there's a, this kind of foreboding, like you, I had hope, but there was this foreboding as well, and the mix of the two, and even the things that happen at the end, you know, symbolically, it's like I I could read that in more than one way, mm -hmm. and I loved that. It yeah. was it was even though I could read it in more than one way, it was so coherent. This was such a uh, an intense, coherent vision. And it's a it's a very interesting character driven piece because as much as it creates a wonderful atmosphere and as you said there's like that sense of mystery and you know you you want the film to race up so and give you the answers but it deliberately takes its time and while it takes its time you get to really understand a lot of the the various characters that are all in this world and it kind of, and I think that helps make the revelations at, at the end pay off even more mm -hmm, because agree, by yeah. then you've really invested in the emotion in the characters and each one of their little quirks and foibles that when stuff happens and then by the time you get to the end it's it, it feels almost cathartic uh, yeah 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 without, without giving much, too much away it's it's a very interesting look on life and human interaction yes and and the details of you know, because even when they settle into their routine, as you say, all those details, it's like it's this really interesting statement about, yeah, human interaction. You're right. Yeah, Absolutely. You're always right. Not, well, there's a lot of these <laughs> films. Like um, I will talk about one that I saw um, called Supermoto, and I believe it was uh, a submission for last year's for, um the, the most recent Academy Awards I, they had submitted as their uh, their entry mm -hmm. and it's about a little girl who you disc you find out from the very beginning that she's terminally ill and when her mother gets the news instead of leaving her in the hospital where she's got a whole bunch of friends and she gets to watch like movies starring Jackie Chan and whatnot she the mother decides that it's best for her to be at home which is something that um, this girl, Joe, her older sister, doesn't agree with. She's like, you know, if she's terminally ill, she should be with her friends. And there becomes a bit of a tug of war between mother and daughter while young Joe tries to 
enjoy life being somewhat isolated because her mother doesn't want to leave in the house. And in many ways, her, her mother has already started mourning her, even though she's still alive. And oh, you see, yeah. that's, and, that's it, and it sounds sad, but yeah. then you have her her sister who gets the community to, um, I guess, kind of create this bit of fantasy because young Joe believes that she has superpowers and that if she thinks of something, um, events will happen. And you you start to see the sister will set up things like, oh, no, someone stole my purse. And young Joe uses her powers and the criminal you know, drops a person, falls over or something, but she gets the village, a lot of people in the village to, to play into that. So it becomes this whole debate of, you know, do you create the best possible life for someone, even if their life is only going to be for so long, or do you stick with reality and basically go by the, the hard facts of life? And it's a very interesting character study. Because as things start to evolve, you know, and the sympathy is not really about Joe. Like you realize this is more about a mother dealing with the pending loss of a child. And how do you overcome that? Like there's a lot of really deep questions, but the film still maintains an upbeat atmosphere. Wow. And you that's think hard. That's really yeah, hard to and do. You, you would think that, all right, this film is going to be overly se- sentimental or sappy, but it's, it's not <laughs> like it earns its emotion in a, in an honest way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of laughs in it. Like it's, it's just a really, it's a feel good film. And normally when you say that people are like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to avoid that. Cause they think yeah, it's, it's just, it's so oversimplified. Oversim- when it's a, yeah. But it's, it's feel good. Film. But this one, it, it, it earns everything. It gets the performances are, are wonderful across the board. And it's just a, a really uplifting film in a in a good way. That sounds amazing. So, what else have you seen? Uh, keeping with the young children theme, I also saw a film called Soul Boy, and this one is about a young boy who his father owns a shop, and is he's just kind of like depressed, seems kind of ill, and the boy believes that his his father's soul has been kidnapped by this mystery woman this I guess half legend half real person this woman who has one cow hoof for a foot so he goes to seek is her this out a, is, is, is she a, a creature that he created or is this well it's it's a she's a a woman who they, there's a legend in town about uh-huh, this okay. particular individual right this woman and then they also so he believes that this woman in town, who's a bit of a recluse, is the woman of the legend that they right, refer okay. to. And so he goes, seeks her out, and she says, well, you know, the reason why your father is this way is because it's been by design, and for you to fix it, there's six, basically sends him on a little quest. There's, I think, six or seven things he has to do, and he has to follow these clues, but, and he has to do it before, I think, the next morning. And it's really kind of like a, a young person adventure film of sorts, whereas he's going through town and n- not realizing that through the different tasks that he's been assigned to do, he's actually helping to change people's lives. And it's like a, a snowball effect. Oh, wonderful. So yeah. he helps a man who stole a, f- uh, a phone from someone. And, and, and instead of taking that phone and using it for, you know, selling it himself and making money, that phone ends up coming into play later and you know, like every there's a there's almost like the movie Pay It Forward, mm-hmm. where 
w- one deed impacts another deed, which sends you on a path to another, even though you don't necessarily know where life is going to take you. Right. Yeah. By doing these deeds and kind of believing in yourself while you're doing it, it helps the snowball effect. But it, it, may, it, it may be like that Hollywood film, but it's not... No. Sapia, I imagine. No, no, I, I'm not a fan of pay for it. So <laughs> when I say I enjoy this and it's and it carries like that similar type of um, idea, yeah. then you know that Soul Boy is definitely the the better of those two films. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that struck me about the films that I saw is like is the originality. Mm-hmm. You know, the creativity and the storytelling. It's it's very fresh the approach in in each case to to each subject. But also the actual story themselves and the way that the story unfolds, it doesn't feel tired. It feels like there's something fresh and new happening, that that young, talented people, you know, uh, whether they're, they're, you know, well, yeah, their creativity is being supported by, you know, maybe people who, who have more experience. But it's like those people are respecting the wishes of the young, talented person and just letting them be original yeah. and taking chances like these. And they're bringing in they a lot off. of the, yeah. the culture from their, their various regions of Africa mm-hmm. and also the spirituality and mysticism. Mm-hmm. Like, And they find ways to incorporate it into the narratives in a way that you're like, oh, this is really well done. Yeah. They don't, yeah. Try, they don't try to make Hollywood-type films. But when you see these films, you're like, man, this film could play in Hollywood. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. They, but it's it's unique to to their style and their culture. Yeah, yeah, and especially, I mean, we've both seen Nairobi High, uh, High Half Life. Oh, yes, Nairobi Half Life. Nairo- Nairobi Half Life, and and same, mm-hmm. same. I mean, same scenario of what we've been talking about. But yeah, this is a highly original film, and um, so. It's, it's, we'll transition into that, right? Sure. It's one about um, a, a young boy who is a, a huge fan of cinema, wants to be an actor. Um, and I think it was he, he travels to Nigeria, I believe. and Nairobi. Up, Nairobi, sorry. And uh, he gets involved. <laughs> Once he gets there, he doesn't get the, the stardom life. He realizes that things there are really hard and ends up getting involved uh, with I think two low level gangs, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, and just through that is a very interesting tale of like poverty and corruption. Uh, yeah, very well shot. And yeah, very, yeah, yeah. And the acting, like the um, the main actor, I thought was phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. the one thing um, that struck me was how you know it starts off in his village. He's living in some village out in the country somewhere, and he has these dreams. So he's like this innocent. Right. So if you want to think like, OK, this is a story that could have been told uh, in Hollywood, but the de- it's the details. Right. So he's this innocent. He wants to go to Nairobi because that's the big city. But Nairobi is a tough city, like any giant city in the world. It's a tough city. And so he gets there. The reality, he has to like get basically hit almost d- directly over the head with it. And then, yet yeah, he somehow finds his, it's his personality. It's the very thing that made him want to go to Nairobi to be an actor. It's those qualities that actually help him survive in this extraordinarily different uh, kind of uh, brutal world. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a, a moment that I will never forget. There's certain films that when they... T- 
hit on the subject of prison mm-hmm. that kind of leave a mark on you for various reasons, usually yeah. violent. But this one, there's a shot of a prison that is overrun and absolutely filthy. Mm-hmm. And once you see that scene, you're like, I am never going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care where. <laughs> that is, a, that you know, that is a, a scared straight moment for me. Where it's like, it's just so disgusting. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but his reaction in that jail... <laughs> When he loses it and tries to clean up, oh, that is class. That's a classic moment of cinema if I ever mm-hmm. saw one, and that alone is the worth is worth the price of admit. Yep. You have to see. But beyond that, it's just this like it's such a great film. I highly, highly, re- I mean, I highly recommend all these. Yeah, the, but this whole series is is wonderful. It's so strong. The, all the films are so strong. Like you will not regret a single, and and you will come out with a completely different view of people, of the world, of uh, you know. It, these are these are films that will affect you deeply. I, after watching these, they were in my head and in my in my in my being for mm-hmm. you know a couple of days everyone's something would hit me you know like and that there'd be an image from something so they just kept coming back and i kept feeling the all of it it's it's hard to describe because it was such a an emotional but uh, intellectual as well yeah you know? they're, like they're all diverse special. but yeah. they all are wonderful in their own way yeah and there are films that you you see and you don't easily forget Exactly. Which is, which is great. That's it, exactly. Yeah. So that's the Goethe Institute's series. So it's the Goethe series that is playing at TIFF. The first one is on March the 5th. So each night, so it's March 5th, March 7th, March 12th. Look on the, um, or it should be on the TIFF website yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely on the TIFF website. And uh, each night has two films. And I, I really, it's, it's worth going and just spending the evening with this, these films, and um, you won't regret it. So uh, the, the Goethe Films series, One Fine Day, Africa Now, highly recommended by both of us. Yes, definitely. Okay. Now, on the other side of things. The stranger side of things. The stranger. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have something quirky, a bit more underground. I love the description of this. It's okay. The festival is called What the Film Festival, basically for short, WTF Festival. <laughs> um, and it's uh, spearheaded by TIFF Midnight Manners programmer Peter Kaplowski. It, he wanted to do this, he wanted to, to showcase sort of outsider films. And he wanted a place to show films that devi- defy genre limitations they sort of like go between genres in and out of genres there's a bit of avant-garde cinema but there's touches of it so um it's all woven in and out and so they're very quirky very very unusual but very rewarding films and they they just basically operate outside traditional parameters uh, of convention for sure, and sometimes taste. <laughs> so it's it's a, f- a lot of fun, and of course it's happening at the Royal Cinema, where you know quirky, eccentric cinema lives. Uh, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and that's also starting this weekend, March the first, and it goes to it's a weekend event, March the first to the third, and so there's six films, and 
there's uh, the big one that that I saw that's going to be showing is called it's the Toronto premiere and it's called a bread factory and a bread factory is is really well known among indie films it's it's from 2018 a lot of people who pay attention to indie films and especially if you if you take rotten tomatoes you know as a critical guide it's got 100% because uh, people who do appreciate that kind of cinema and, and indie, you know, quirkiness, um, they loved it. It's, it's a giant hit among critics. It's like 100 uh, percent. There's two parts to it. Um, but base and the filmmaker will be here. Uh, it will screen. The, so it'll screen over two nights. And uh, Patrick Wang, the director, he, he writer and director, he will be in attendance as well. I think that's opening the film, the opening the festival. Yes, yeah, that's the yeah. opening one. Yeah, that's the opening one. So, um, in a festival that has this sort of anything goes atmosphere and it's quite electrifying, this this is perfect, a bread factory. Um, it's it's epic but intimate and uh it's it's the story of two women who have been running this ab- abandoned bread factory turned arts space so they, they bought it they turned it into an art space in a very small town and they've really built up the community and it's become a hub of artistic and political activity um, and social activity I mean civic groups and immigrant communities use it as well so it's it's a really important hub in that community well now their funding is has been is at stake because uh, a celebrity performance uh, art couple has moved in and they've built this giant, giant factory type thing, which is like much bigger. And they're calling it the Feel Institute and organizing the, all these things and events there and convincing the the school board to somehow give all their funding over to them so they can create programs to help the kids. And so this, you know, definitely um, is a threat to the bread factory. And so it's a way, like, we get to meet all these quirky, you know, the thing about the epic nature of it is it's it's sprawling, sprawling but focused in in this this really fascinating way because there's there's all these characters and all these different activities going on in the compu- community, but they're all brought together by that one thread of a storyline, which you know, which is the the threatening of the bread factory and mm-hmm. its existence, and how they all depend on it, and how they all come together, and then the various ways that they they come up with to try and deal with and cope with the situation and stop the Feel Institute. So. You know, it's it's really hard to describe. It's because it's so. You know, as we we were talking earlier, you know, you were talking a lot about character-driven films in the other series. Well, yeah, it, it, this is very much about character, but it's also it's so detail-oriented. You know, it says it it covers so much ground, the film, um, but it's so detail-oriented as yeah, that well. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, so the way that it balances all these things, these opposing, seemingly opposing things. In, in such a way, but it's, you know, it's not like a very, very uh, hit you on the head kind of film. It's a kind of a, you know, sit back and let this, let this unfold and you're going to get drawn in and 
that's it. You're you're going to be there the whole time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, the bread fact. No, sorry, a bread factory. Um, you won't regret it. That's part of the what the film festival. You've seen. Yeah, um, I'll talk about one that I've seen. Um, Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore, and that is a film which I guess is being labeled a feminist punk film. Um, and okay, that sounds it's good. It's from 1994, and it was directed by Sarah Jacobson, who I guess was a up-and-coming indie filmmaker. She used to write, produce, distribute everything her f- films herself, but she passed away at age 32 um, of cancer, unfortunately. And this film, I believe, was her second feature. I, I might be wrong, but it it was a, a sign of like what could have been. In many ways, it's it's a really interesting film about um, this girl Jane who or Mary Jane who loses her virginity at the opening of the film, and it's it's really not a good experience for her. And throughout the film, she she works at a apparently she's like a kind of straight arrow, straight A type student, but she works at this movie theater with a I guess you could say a bunch of oddballs. But it's through them and just discussions with people her age and her coworkers that she really begins to understand um, her sexuality and sex in general. And it's a film that I, I and I'm going to loosely compare it to Slacker by Wave Degrassi. And what I mean by that is it's all about conversations for the most part. But like what. Degrassi Junior High used to be, um, and I guess maybe still is, I haven't watched in in a couple years, but it used to offer a more realistic approach to issues facing young people. And in this film, you have a young woman learning about sexuality and also as she's kind of empowering herself and learning about um, masturbation and, you know, that for a lot of young women, their first time is not really that great of an experience for for various reasons it also debunks the myth that cinema projects about sexuality like the men in this film especially um, the man that she loses or the boy she loses her virginity with he kind of walks around as like you know thinks he's a cool dude and you know kind of brags about the encounter or at least his version of the encounter is is completely different to hers but then you start to also hear from other young males that she works with who talk about how their first time wasn't that great. And, you know, it kind of debunks that myth of masculinity and sexuality that the, that movies often sell. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a more realistic approach. And, you know, for for her, her sexuality becomes better when she becomes more in tune with herself and what she likes and then is able to communicate that with her partner. And it's just, right, yeah. it's a really interesting film and it touches on teen pregnancy it touches on teen bisexuality um just a whole load of issues but in a very kind of cool easy flowing way yeah it sounds more down to earth yeah it, it is very than other down to earth there's some moments of of humor um and it, you almost think that's a little too straightforward for this festival but then as you start to intertwine with the characters and you know the environment that they work in you're like no no it's it's perfect for this festival because <laughs> they work in a movie theater that all the kids seem to hang out in but at one point there you can hear the sounds 
that they're showing like some type of adult film and then someone makes reference to it was like 3d porn night or like just weird things it's like you would show that in a regular theater like it's just a very (laughs) interesting um world that these young people inhabit but it's not like that far off it's just there's a lot of amusing comical situations but as you see how they're interacting like she's just presenting how real teens are in in a way that is easy to digest it's just you know again it's she's doing everything herself so it's not a high budget film mm-hmm. but it it works for for what it is mm-hmm. and that, 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 I, I think it's one worth seeing and it's it's kind of said that she's not around to it would be interesting to see what her career would have been like especially through the 90s yeah because you know as we reach like what 99 cinema was completely changing and how she would have been impacted by that and i'll also talk about um briefly a film called Strike Dear Mistress and Cure His Heart. <laughs> and it's by... I like the title. It's by Mickey Reese, who... Uh, this was my first time encountering one of his films, but apparently I think this is like his 23rd film. He's one wow. of those directors that seems to churn out like, one or two films a year. Wow. And this one is... I'm going to try my best to describe it. <laughs> I feel it's one that you have to kind of experience. Those are always the best ones, though. Yes. Let's I, face it. And I would... I would compare it to a, a if David Lynch did comedy and had dialogue written by Hal Hartley, <laughs> <laughs> so in the sense that it's very deadpan in its delivery, mm-hmm. and it starts off about this guy named David who buys this old hotel that I guess he's going to renovate. So you think it's going to be David's story, and then it re- you find out that. His wife, uh, I think it's like Madeline, has a young sister who I guess is injured. I'm not quite sure exactly, but you see Madeline and she is all bandaged up. And the fact that they introduce her is like, I think like maybe 20 minutes in. And she's like, wait, where did she come from? (laughs) But anyway, so they're there in the hotel with um, and taking care of Madeline's younger sister and Madeline's mother, who's an accomplished um, pianist, comes to to live with them for a bit. And you find out that, I guess, her career as a pianist was so great that she didn't she wasn't necessarily the best mother. And there's a lot of mother daughter tension that's going on. And there's a the film hits on some surreal moments and some absurdist moments. Like everything's just kind of thrown together in this film. So you're watching as David, uh, Madeline, and Madeline's mother kind of interact while living at this hotel. And then there's just some weird abstract dark imagery that is, I guess, supposed to be symbolic of the fractured connection between Madeline and her mother and the heart of darkness that I guess that's in her mother, or is it maybe in Madeline? Like it all depends on <laughs> I how love you, it. I love it. <laughs> and throughout all of this, you have just weird moments of like, you know, references to German chocolate cake because <laughs> uh, early on in the film, David is talking to, I guess a new neighbor who admires that David was able to buy a hotel because, you know, this neighbor, he, he threw away all his liquid cash into like fancy cars and all these business ventures and he talks about how he loves German chocolate cake. <laughs> so out of nowhere, David decides that German chocolate cake is now his favorite thing. Because I guess he's trying to be like the the perfect type of man. It, it's 
it's a very strange tale. And it's one that you just have to see how everything unfolds. But it's, it, how it's shot and just the performances is never dull. Excellent. It's a really interesting story, but I can't, like, my description will not do it justice. You just need to see it. Mm-hmm. I can see a few people hating it, but I think most people will love it. <laughs> that sounds perfect to me. I want to see that one. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it fits this definition of the festival, I think, perfectly. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's the, you know, I forgot to mention, it's the fifth edition. So obviously this festival, you know, has a, a great, great uh, a track record. Lots of people go. Like It's going mm-hmm. strong. And so this is a very strong year. There's no doubt about that. Um, we've only told you about a few of the films. So highly recommend that you go uh, to the Royal Cinema, to the What the Film Festival, and so that starts uh, March 1st to the 3rd, Royal Cinema. And that is a lot of, for you guys to do this weekend. But all, all of it worth it. Yeah. So find a way to do it all. Okay? Just that's, that's just all we can say. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.